In Your Money Today, Carolyn Wright is going to take a look at how you should be preparing your business to handle the challenges that future risks pose. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. The IMD Centre of Future Readiness recently launched its 2023 Future Readiness Indicator, which assesses 68 major global companies in the finance, automotive and consumer packaged goods sectors in terms of their ability to anticipate challenges whilst limiting risk exposure. Now, I'm joined by Professor Howard Yu, who is the director of the IMD Centre for Future Readiness, to take a deeper dive into their findings. Thank you for joining me, Professor Yu. Great to be here. Thank you. So can you tell me a little bit more about the Future Readiness Indicator and the methodology behind it? Yeah, I think what we're trying to get at is to look at what type of company are most future ready. The whole purpose behind is any executive or manager these days want to ensure their organization is the most future ready. Why? Because there is so much uncertainty around us technology, economic, geopolitics. What we've found is organizations that are most future ready, they simply win more when time or fortune is on their side. When things turn south, they are simply better than others in buffering themselves against crisis. In short, they win at any point in time. So that is the overall purpose behind. Tell me about how they achieve their wins. What are the sort of key areas that you're looking at that these companies are getting right? That's a very important question because what we found is whether it's in banking and auto or consumer packaged goods, these leading organizations are the ones who are able to scale up new capability ahead of others. They invest aggressively, whether it's AI or advanced robotics or advanced analytics. But to do so, these top-ranking organizations also need to perform today. You need to generate very healthy cash flow. You need to generate good profits so that you have resources to aggressively invest in the future. What we found is Future readiness is in fact a balanced scorecard. So this is where the methodology is about. We take a balanced scorecard approach to measure these companies to arrive at the findings. One of the things you mentioned there about the indicator is also the ability to deal with things when it goes wrong. So how do you measure that? How important is that anticipation, you know, and, and being prepared? I mean, preparedness takes hard work, right? You cannot build a great company overnight and take automotive as an example. In fact, the long-term trend, every executive, even you and I, outside the auto industry, we know what is big. Well, electric vehicle, non-fossil fuel, but it's also chipset design. It's also software to control from infotainment all the way to autopilot. Now, this is nothing new. This is, in fact, in any auto show, executive, manager, or talk about that. We read that in annual report. But what distinguished top-ranking company such as Tesla, BYD, they are the one who are able to scale up these new capabilities ahead of competition versus the laggard, right? Those who are leaving behind are the ones who still get trapped with internal combustion engine, old technology and old capabilities. So when you are prepared, you simply are two, three steps ahead of competition in scaling up these capabilities. So you're always winning. So could this be to do with the fact that these companies are simply more innovative and they put much more thought into the the research and actually championing that? Or is there also the fact of sort of the nuts and bolts? We all know there have been problems with supply chains and accessibility to chips and things like that. Mm -hmm. So is is, is that a big deal too? 
Yeah, so this is where the balance scorecard comes in. What we saw is, you know, the top ranking company, they always have been able to generate healthy cash flow because the reality is if your core business is already in decline, you have no resources to invest in the future. But then you're absolutely right. They are the one at a certain moment in time whether it's Tesla, whether it's BYD, or also historically, like Toyota, they would be investing quite intensively in R&D and then able to scale up new innovation, resulting in not just experiment, but real products spreading across the world. But here's the criticality. These days, diversity of thoughts is really important. This is where the employee diversity, gender, nationality, country origin, of course, is one, but more importantly, industry background. If a company is staffed by everyone is from the car industry, it's almost impossible to think outside the box. So it's this combination of things that allows top ranking company, Tesla, BYD, but also Volkswagen to VW, like really putting the hearts and mind and resource behind to move towards the future mobility. So it could actually be someone coming in completely from the outside saying, well, why haven't you thought of doing this? And because everyone in there is already from the automotive industry, it's a company that isn't doing this well. They'd be like, oh, oh, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not just auto, Caroline. What mm-hmm. we've seen is across our industry, whether it's banking, consumer packaged goods or other industry we've tracked in the past, pharmaceutical, whatnot, these future ready organizations, they really bring in talent outside their own industry. In the past 30 years ago, industry background and understanding is reign supreme. Today, diversity of thoughts is absolutely critical. It's a sea change. Now let's take a look. You've done a lot about the automotive sector. Let's delve now into the consumer packaged goods. I wonder now for that area, obviously we talked about electric vehicles and sustainability and the environment is also a key Mm. factor. How is this driving consumer packaged goods? What are the winners there getting right specifically in that sector? Big time, right? Because consumer demand or taste rapidly evolve all the time. I think in the age of TikTok, Instagram, Roblox, right? It's almost impossible for a brand to pay advertisement all the way to shape consumer taste. What is needed is to anticipate what is trending among the Gen Z, millennials, uh, Gen Y, different demographic. What do they want in the future? And you provide that extreme interesting product, whether it's Coca-Cola, P&G or L'Oreal, to target those particular market segments. So two things require, right? Social listening is key. But it's not just focus group, but these days is advanced analytics, generative AI to understand all of these demographic social discussion. What is going on in the social media and letting that insight to generate innovation results. So it does require very different way of thinking about R&D product design all the way to go to market. All these age group are getting the distinct behavior of each segment is getting wider, but at the same time, each of these segments is getting smaller, right? Because this is the consequence of our social media. All these interest group can be tiny, but they are so passionate. The implication for a company like Coca-Cola is that you need to have many, many different product assortment. And in fact, they do. They rank top of our ranking. And in fact, I did not know they are offering something like 400, 400 different brands and product selling over 200 countries and territories. That require an extreme level of advanced automation, AI to manage even the supply chain. 
That is the future of consumer packaged goods. Let's move on to the third area that you looked at in this report, and that is the financial world, which to some can seem like an area that might not be moving on terribly fast, aside from maybe the digital assets space. So, so where are we at there? Tell me what are the winning factors there? Who's getting it right? Right. So that, I think, in the banking industry, we need to go beyond even Asia. But looking around the world, a global banking industry of the financial sector, a couple of trends that are really changing around the world from open banking to embedded financing. So the idea that we only bank with one single bank throughout our lives and that single bank is going to control all our information whether it's HSBC, Standard Chartered Bank of America that's basically over essentially what open banking and in many ways all these payment companies Visa and MasterCard have really demonstrated is using open API application programming interface so that your data can get access by multiple provider you don't need to step into a branch to think about insurance you should be able to buy a micro insurance at the time when you purchase I don't know a rice cooker for instance <laughs> that you could pay for a tiny bit and that type of embedded financing is actually happening whether it's part of Europe or part of the United States in Asia and Singapore is pretty rampant as well so it's just a matter of time it's going to enter mainstream look disruptor always want to eat the margin of the big incumbent and the technology is here consumer want it even now regulator pushing it it's just a matter of time It's all about getting in there with what the consumer wants first and uh, grabbing their attention. I think so too. And that is the purpose of an enterprise, right? In fact, in our ranking, we also track ESG. These organizations doing well by doing good is not enough just to generate bottom line for shareholders these days. The idea that the organization must live up to its purpose. In fact, the financial market notices it these days. Thank you so much, Professor Howard Yu, the director of the IMD Centre for Future Readiness, for joining me today. Great to be here.